This week on the Pressure Cast, the Nintendo Switch release date and price get leaked, Atari gets sued, and Shenmue remakes might be on the way. It's Monday, January 9th, 2016. Everything happening in the world of video games is here, now, on the Pressure Cast. Hey, hey, Pressure Pals, welcome to the 163rd episode of the Pressure Cast. Video games are dumb.com's weekly news panic that posts every single Monday on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, and America's longest running independent newspaper at shepherdexpress.com. My name is Colin Tanner, and I'm caffeinated and ready to ramble to you about some gosh darn video games. And man, I feel like this is one of those weeks where I wish the show was just a few days later. Because obviously, on Thursday, January 12th, at uh, some time at night, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what time it's happening, but uh, we'll get into it later, Nintendo is going to be holding a presentation all about the Nintendo Switch. They're going to be talking about the release date. They're going to be talking about some games. They're going to be talking about the price. A lot of information is going to drop. So we're going to be covering that extensively next week. But I want some help from you. I want to know, those of you that watch or, or read the details about it, if you will buy a Nintendo Switch. Not if you're enthusiastic about it, not if you admire the concept, although you know I'd appreciate your input uh, when it comes to that as well, but will you put down the money on launch day and pick yourself up a Nintendo Switch? So, you know, write in, pressurecast at gmail.com, or you can call or text 954-947-7377. You can tweet at VGA Dumb, that stands for Video Games Are Dumb, or you can leave a comment below on the YouTube uh, video page of this episode, and we will talk all about that next week. And if you missed any of those links, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, what's the email address? Just check the description of this video or the podcast, and you're good. It'll be right there for you, buddy. Sounds good? In fact, we already have some comments from people that watched last week. So let's get to them in a little something we like to call, Thank you for the email. All of these come from uh, the YouTube comments section. A lot of people had a lot of things to say because we were all over the place. We were talking about the biggest news stories of 2016 last week. One of which was, of course, Nintendo's first foray into mobile with Miitomo. And I just kind of was talking about how it, you know, it lost a lot of steam. Uh, Mega Man Universe had this to say. For what Mitomo did, it ultimately didn't justify the space it occupies on a phone. Ouch. It's, it's pretty cold, Mega Man. But I have to admit, you're absolutely right. The problem with Mitomo is that it, it did use a lot of data. Uh, it did take up a lot of space on your phone. And at the end of the day, what did you get out of that? You answered questions, and you heard your friends' responses, so far so good. You can change your outfits, so far so good. You can mess around with photographs and, and you know, add silly captions, so far so good. And that was it. That was the whole game. And now they're starting to update it, where it's, you know, it's letting you decorate your room and all that kind of stuff. It's too late. It's too late. So when you're, you know, when you're trying to download something and you don't have enough space, you're trying to figure out what to delete, you're going to go with Mitomo. Makes sense to me. Also, last week we discussed the worst games of 2016, and apparently Ranky nearly ruined a perfectly good shirt. Here's what he said. Thank you, I enjoyed this immensely. 
Thank you, Ranky. Uh, particularly the closing summary of number four, nearly spat coffee everywhere. Well, I'm glad you didn't spit coffee because coffee is delicious. Coffee belongs in the mouth and in the tummy, not all over uh, fancy shirts, which I'm assuming you were wearing a fancy shirt while you were watching that, which is probably what held you back, which is good. If you want to know what the number four worst game of 2016 was, go watch last week's episode. It's a good one. I even did little video montages. And thank you for watching that right there. Uh, last week, we also discussed uh, the free games for PlayStation Plus and sort of the attitude towards uh, the announcement. A lot of people were underwhelmed with this month's uh, announcements. And uh, Suzuki207013 has an explanation. Here's what he says. If it's not AAA, they are always going to be considered... Uh, they are always going to consider the Plus games bad. You're right. You're right, Suzuki. That is kind of the problem, is that if a game is independent and it is one of the free games, people just ignore it. They get so disappointed. And I think that mentality is, um, well, I'm not going to call it dumb. I'll call it stupid. Yeah, I'll call it dumb and stupid. I hate that people just go, oh, it's an indie game. Never mind. Not for me. Why not? Let's look at some of the biggest PlayStation Plus games of all time. What about Rocket League? A, independent. B, you know, PlayStation Plus game. And it's it's amazing. I love Rocket League. So, I mean, if you're just going mean, to... I'm not saying that you are, Suzuki. I'm saying these people, if they're just going to write off everything that's independent, that doesn't have the most amazing graphics or doesn't have, like, the longest playtime, like, what do they want? Do they just want AAA games? I don't understand it. You know, it, because AAA games, as, as, um, as much as I love AAA games, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, indie or die. No, I love AAA games. Adore AAA games. If I had to pick between... Uh, reviewing an independent or a AAA game, I like to review AAA just because I like to kind of examine where, where the industry is going. But that being said, the thing with AAA games is they're, offer, they're often very similar. Third-person shooter, first-person shooter. Actually, that's the majority of, of AAA games, you know, platformer, whatever it is. Whereas indie is always tweaking things and adding their own little wrinkle to it because they have to. They have to be different to stand out. So I love indie games. Adore indie games. I don't understand the mentality. Also, we were talking about how uh, Platinum Games, the people behind things like Bayonetta and Vanquish and <sighs> TMNT, Turtles in Manhattan, uh, you know, they've kind of slipped up a little bit. And they do have another game coming out. And according to Suzuki, he says, after playing Nier Automata's demo, this looks like a promising comeback of Platinum Games. I sure hope you're right. Anyway, also, uh, we got a comment from Joe because we were talking about the... Um, we were talking about the uh, the PlayStation Plus games for January. Joe wants to know, why doesn't he mention the free Xbox games of the month? Well, if I'm going to be completely honest, it's because I hate Xbox and I like to bury it every chance I get. I'm messing with you, Joe. I'm kidding right there. The truth is, is that this is a weekly video game news show. So the way that it works is that if something happens in the week, it goes in the show. And for whatever reason, Microsoft announces Games with Gold about a week ahead of PlayStation Plus. By and large, there are very few exceptions. Uh, if they were announced in the same week, I would cover them in the same week, but they are often not. And I have to wonder if that's actually like a choice from Microsoft. Like they looked at when Sony traditionally made their announcements and they just try and get ahead of the curve. You know, just because it gets, you know, it gets, it's a news story. If you're over on PlayStation, which the majority are, it lets them get a little bit of a peek at what's going on over at Xbox. It's not a bad idea, but no, the reason that we don't cover them in the same week is because they are not announced in the same week. Good question, Joe. I just felt like I wanted to, uh, you know, cover that right here and right now. Anyway, everyone that wrote in, 
Thank you for the email. Is there someone knocking at my door? I could swear I heard something. What was that? Did you hear that sound, listeners and viewers? You must have heard that. I know that I heard something really weird going on here. Boop, boop. Oh, wait, never mind. It's just the hype train. Feel the PR vibrations as we barrel towards video game satisfaction station on the hype train. This is the part of the show where we talk about all the upcoming video games and events to get you hyped up to spend all your money and become a video game guru. We're going to be talking about the Nintendo Switch a lot. If you do not want to know the exact details that were apparently leaked, you want to save everything for Thursday, just skip ahead by like 20 minutes. All right, just... If you actually want to be surprised, if you haven't already heard these rumors, just skip ahead 20 minutes and then you can be surprised about what's going on Thursday. Because I think these rumors are probably true. On Thursday, the 12th, at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central, Nintendo will finally host their live presentation revealing the price and release date of their Nintendo Switch console. However, earlier this week, UK game retailer GameSeek might have accidentally leaked the information. According to the site, the Switch will retail for £198, which has made, led many to speculate that it will be $250 in the United States. GameSeek also lists Friday, March 17th, as the release date. Pretty big news right there. Friday, though, who launches a console on Friday? And besides that, Nintendo launches their consoles, their hardware, on Sundays, not Fridays. Something's pretty pretty stinky about this rumor, am I right, everybody? Pretty stinky rumor over here, am I right? But hold on, hold the phone right there. Let's talk about some of the most recent hardware launches. The Nintendo, the new Nintendo 3DS actually released on February 13th, 2015. The new 3DS Standard Edition later released that year on September 25th, 2015. Here's the thing. Both of those were released on a Friday. So we're lending credibility right there. Friday makes sense. Also consider that Nintendo has released all their software on Fridays as of late. They've really abandoned Sundays. For years, it always used to be Sundays. When it came to the 64 and the GameCube and everything. It was Sunday, 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 Sunday. Now they're doing everything Friday, so that lines up. Now let's talk about March 17th real quick. They've already announced that they're going to launch this console in March. So why March 17th? Why would that be good? Well, it's actually two weeks before the very end of the fiscal year. What does that mean? It means that when you go and you report the numbers for Nintendo, uh, instead of having to address the fact that the Wii U sold abysmally, the, the, and you, have, you don't even have to talk about how the 3DS isn't doing as well as it usually does. Instead, you can just say, here's how we closed out the year. Look at all of these units that we sold. We're gaining momentum. And that momentum can be led into the next fiscal year. So it makes sense. On top of that, one thing that I never hear people talk about, and it always baffles me, is why release in March? You know, why would you ever release a game in March? You want to release in the fall, right? Well, maybe if you're trying to you know, sell to, uh, you know, holiday shoppers, that makes sense. But but spring, in America at least, is the time when many uh, 18 to 34-year-olds are getting their tax returns. And more importantly, if you're in that age bracket, you're probably going to be getting, you know, some sort of uh, maybe hundreds, if not thousands of dollars back from the government. Well, I got all this money. I'm going to treat myself to something. Nintendo has a platform they've just released. Go pick one up. Sounds good. Makes sense to me. Now let's talk about the price real quick because there was actually a, uh, a Japanese retailer that listed the Nintendo Switch for 2,500 yen. That translates to 
That makes sense. Uh, because Nintendo 64, $200. GameCube was $200. I'm talking about launch prices right here. Uh, and the Wii was $250. And then, of course, with the Wii U, they launched at $350 and $299 because they had two different SKUs. Clearly, that was a big mistake. They acknowledged that. I think they're going to, you know, fix that this time around. But more importantly, that's $50 cheaper than the Xbox One. The cheapest Xbox One is $300. The cheapest PlayStation 4 the uh, slim model is $300, so $250 makes plenty of sense to me. I'm going to give these rumors an 80-20 chance, which, in case you don't know, I mean, 80% yes, 20% no. I would never say 100% because y you never know. Maybe they'll get on stage and say, we thought about it, but we're not actually going to make the Switch. We're making the GameCube too, and then everyone's heads explode. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I do think that this makes the most sense, really, that it will be March 17th, $250, you know, put your money there. Now, there might be multiple SKUs. Maybe one is $199. Maybe one is $299. I don't know. But I think that there will definitely be a $250 model released on March 17th in the UK and America. And if I'm wrong, let me know next week. <laughs> toot toot. Uh, Nintendo has already announced a second presentation uh, the following morning of their Thursday event. On Friday, January 13th at 9.30 a.m. Eastern... 8.30 a.m., this is going to be the morning, Central, Nintendo will live stream a, quote, in-depth look at the upcoming games. Uh, while the Thursday night presentation is expected to run one hour, there is no uh, time limit exactly for how long this live stream is going to run. Let me tell you right now, this is absolutely the right move. I've seen some people online, I'm not even kidding you, they, 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 they look at this and they say, oh, Nintendo's really worried, huh? I mean, they're so worried that they're going to they're going to have the second event out of nowhere. Oh, that just shows how scared they are. No, 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 no. That is not what happened. What Nintendo did, and you know I give Nintendo shit. If you if you've listened to the show, I give Nintendo shit. This is a smart move. Because what they did is they drilled it into the public consciousness. Thursday, the 12th. That is when you find out about the Switch. Thursday, 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 Thursday. Thursday, the 12th. Everywhere you go. Thursday, the 12th. They have uh, pictures, they have tweets, they have all this stuff they've been sending out. 12th, 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 And once everyone adapted to that, once it became just obvious knowledge, everyone knows when it's happening, then they're like, oh, by the way, we'll do something the next morning. Because it's more important to make sure people know that. If they would have announced both of these events at once, people would be confused. Like, oh, I thought they weren't revealing until like Friday morning. They're doing a Thursday thing. You don't want any sort of confusion because you want to be able to brag about how many people watch this live stream press conference. That's important. It seems petty. But that's important to them because they're going to report that back to their uh, investors. Being like, oh, yes, it was a very successful event, and, you know. And besides that, uh, I bet they have some pretty big surprises. And they want to make sure that people understand when they can start pre-ordering. Um, I hope this is somewhat similar to the uh, to the E3 Treehouse events where they just sort of sit back and just talk about games. It's, you know, it's a real kind of casual fair type scenario. Um, but I'm, I'm a little nervous that somehow, and this might be ridiculous, I really hope... They don't try and be like, oh, and we're going to show off a Wii U game. Like, don't do that. Don't show off 3DS. Don't show off anything mobile. Just focus on Switch. It's very important that they do that. And if they do, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm, I'm really curious to see what exactly they have planned. If they're going to be showing off that um, uh, that Rabbids game, the Rabbids crossover with Mario, which is rumored to be this RPG. Nothing confirmed there. All rumor, much like the stories we're talking about right now. But it, I would be really interested to see what that's exactly going to look at, uh, like, look at, like, anyway. <laughs> toot toot. 
But all is not well when it comes to the Nintendo Switch rumors. According to Eurogamer, players in the UK might have to wait until after launch to get their hands on Zelda Breath of the Wild, pretty much the only confirmed uh, first-party game for the Nintendo Switch. The rumor cites the advanced translation required as the reason for the delay. Unlike North American titles, UK games are required, well not required, they usually have Spanish and French language options so that they can release it widely in the European Union. Oh boy. Once again, all the rumor, take it with a grain of salt, but uh, if this is true, I would be very confused. I have to believe, I'm giving the Nintendo the benefit of the doubt, I have to believe that this is not true. Because if it is true, that would show such a uh, painfully uh, stupid oversight for Nintendo, that would that would be infuriating if Nintendo somehow forgot to have Zelda ready for the UK launch. The UK a very important market when it comes to video games. If somehow they just were like, oh darn, French and Spanish, we're not going to be able to pull this one off. That would be very upsetting. That'd be highly, highly upsetting. Uh, because the thing is, uh, much like we were just talking about before, you know that whole Thursday, Thursday, drilled into the public consciousness. They dedicated their entire E3 just to Zelda Breath of the Wild. That was all they showed off. Just one game. That was their entire E3. That is the only thing really associated with the Switch right now, unless you want to count Just Dance or something like that. This is the title. To launch their upcoming console without Zelda would be a bafflingly stupid mistake. That's really the only word I can think of. It's just stupid. Uh, and, and that would just show the incompetence almost of Nintendo not to build a, 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 a good enough team or to actually be able to translate this game in time or that there's so many issues with developing Breath of the Wild that it, it wouldn't be able to be uh, translated uh, by the translators. I don't know. Take it all with a grain of salt. I think that's ridiculous. They cannot be true. That cannot be true. And if it is, well, then we will talk about it in the near future. Anyway, uh, other games expected to be revealed... Another one of the games expected to be revealed is the classic 2002 GameCube title, Eternal Darkness. On December 20th, Nintendo filed a trademark for the game uh, and listed it as, quote, a downloadable electronic game software. Uh, a recurring rumor for the Switch is that they will be adding GameCube games to the Virtual Console. No details, of course, have been confirmed. It should be noted that Nintendo has periodically reissued this trademark over the years with absolutely no results. Man, you know, this whole idea of, like, re-releasing GameCube games on the Switch, very exciting. I would be up for that. Sounds cool. Uh, but when it comes to Eternal Darkness being re-released, I'm a little bit nervous. And in case you don't know, Eternal Darkness was uh, released by uh, Silicon Knights uh, before they went crazy, uh, <laughs> you know, a few years later. And basically, it's a, a, a survival horror game where you travel through time playing as different people in different points of history, dealing with this ancient evil kind of Cthulhu thing. But what made the game so interesting, beyond, you know, being in time periods that are not usually represented in games, is that every character had a sanity meter. And the more of the horror that they witnessed, the more they slowly grew insane. Now, some of the tactics that they would use are things like um, uh, the game stopping and saying that your disc is dirty, or that your save has been erased. Like, things like that, like, things that would really fuck with you. Sometimes your TV would turn off, but really it was just the game going to a black screen. Sometimes you'd see, like, the, these graphics for, for volume slowly going down and the, and the audio would go down. So you'd be like, whoa, am I sitting on the remote? No, it's just the game messing with you. All of these brilliant ideas for 2002. And if they're going to re-release this, I hope they kind of, you know, maybe just update some of the graphics right there. 
because my biggest issue is that like, well, televisions have their own user interface now. They have their own custom high definition graphics. Like how are you going to replicate that? Uh, it's not like we have multiple channels on TV anymore. You always have that HDMI input that you just go to if you have a HD TV. So we'd have to do something else like go to HDMI 2 or something, you know, like really basic stuff. Hopefully they take the time to do that because Eternal Darkness is, is one of the, the best games of all time. It's easily top five best GameCube games. That's not even a competition. There weren't that many good games on the GameCube to begin with. I mean, unless you count all the third parties. Uh, so yeah, if you've never played Eternal Darkness, you have a lot to look forward to right here. Anyway, toot toot. In an odd move, we have announcements for games that won't be coming to the Switch. On Twitter, the PR manager of Sega of America, John Harden, confirmed that Persona 5 and Yakuza 0 will not be appearing on the console. Quote, Persona 5 platforms, colon, PlayStation 3, comma, PlayStation 4, Yakuza 0 platforms, colon, PlayStation 4, period. That's it. No Switch, no PC, I don't know about the box labels, that's a Sony thing. You know, I think we covered this a couple of weeks ago, but there has been this this kind of anticipation that Persona 5 would some way, somehow, make its uh, way to the Switch. And, th and that never made any sense to me, because over in Japan, uh, exclusives are really tied to a platform, even if they're not paid for it. They are just tied to a platform because there is a there is a there is an expectation that's where the games belong, which is why it was a huge deal like 20 years ago when it was revealed that uh, Final Fantasy was going to the PlayStation instead of Nintendo. That was that was shocking at the time because that just doesn't really happen. You look at Persona 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, well, 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, Golden, all the handheld versions, they're either on the PlayStation 2, PlayStation, PlayStation 3, or the Vita, or the PSP. It's always Sony stuff. Now, when it comes to Yakuza, there's a slightly more interesting history where it's only appeared on Sony platforms, with the exception of uh, a remake of Yakuza 1 and 2 appearing on the Wii U. It sold very poorly because that's just not how it works. The way it works in Japan, at least this is how I read it, uh, is that the reason it doesn't sell, the reason Yakuza wouldn't sell on the Wii U is because that's not why people bought the Wii U. Anyone that wants to play Yakuza bought a PlayStation 4 to play Yakuza. There's just an expectation. That's its home. And so maybe in in some ways it might just feel like, uh, you know, an inferior release. Uh -huh. Toot toot. Uh, last week we took a look. Nope, nope, nope. I skipped the story. I'm going back. I'm going back. <laughs> this happens from time to time. Anyway. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is important. EA has also chimed in, denying rumors that Mass Effect Andromeda will be appearing on the console. Uh, speaking to Survivor, Bioware's Michael Gamble dismissed any of those expectations. Quote, yeah, not right now, no. We're not planning on it. If the Switch launches and everyone's just yammering for Mass Effect, who knows? We never want to close doors like that. Uh, EA is already a committed developer to the Nintendo Switch, though its plans have yet to be revealed. You know, uh, obviously Andromeda, you know, is coming to the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, but I think it's, I, I always thought it was kind of like a, a no-duh that it wasn't going to be coming to the Switch, and not just because, you know, uh, the system can't handle it or whatever, but EA has already tried to put Mass Effect on a Nintendo console, and it didn't take. Mass Effect 3 was a launch title for the Wii U, and say what you will about, you know, throwing in the, the third chapter in a, in a trilogy, on a brand new console, and, and how stupid that is. It was stupid, uh, but it didn't sell at all. So they've tried, and it didn't take. 
and that's all. Now, as for EA's involvement with the Nintendo Switch, I'm willing to bet they're probably not going to put any or hardly any AAA games on there. I think you're really going to be getting experiences like Peggle and uh, whatever that was, uh, Unraveled, the game with the, the Yarny Cat. I think that's what you're going to get. And like I said, I have no problem with smaller games or independent games, but I think if you're going to purchase this Nintendo console expecting to play Battlefield 1 or Mass Effect Andromeda, you're just not going to get it. Toot toot. Now let's go to non-Switch news. Uh, Andromeda's release date has finally been revealed. EA has confirmed that it will be available on March 21st for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, later, the, later this month, Bioware will reveal their plans for the PlayStation Pro version of the game. Which, of course, will be the exact same disc, but it'll have certain advantages. I gotta say, I just wanted to take this as a, as a bit of a side note. We're talking about a brand new Mass Effect game right now. Andromeda, Mass Effect Andromeda. It's coming out this year. It's gonna be out this year. Is that weird? Not, not that it's being released, but that there's just no excitement or anticipation. It just feels void of hype. It's, it's extremely bizarre to me, because if you just look back at Last Generation, after Mass Effect 1, going to Mass Effect 2, going to Mass Effect 3, there was so much anticipation. And now it's just gone. Like, Andromeda, it's like, oh yeah, that'll be coming out cool. Whatever. And I know some people will assume it has something to do with Mass Effect 3's ending. I really don't think that's the case, because even if people didn't like the ending, this is not related to that. And also worth noting that most people liked playing Mass Effect 3. Even if they didn't like the ending, they liked the DLC, they liked the base game. I just don't see that. So... I think it just has more to do with people want new experiences. You look at something like Overwatch, which, you know, I hate to keep harping on, on Overwatch or... Yeah, mostly, let's just stick with Overwatch for now. Blizzard put out this game, and it's just taking the world by storm because they see new characters, new worlds, new ways to play, and, that, and that's very exciting. When you just sort of are like, hey, we're doing what we did last generation again, it's like, oh, I guess... I just can't do this. Like, I experienced Mass Effect. I don't want to go back. I mean, it's a cool universe. I'm sure the game's going to be fine, but who cares? I think had EA encouraged Bioware to create something new, you know, like they did with Jade Empire, like they did with Mass Effect, or like they did with Dragon's Age. Dragon Age. Dragon's Age. <laughs> Dragon's Dogma. Uh, had they done that, I think people would be more excited. Like, here it is. Here's the next big series from the creators of Mass Effect. Instead of just being like, here we go again. Look at that species. Bet you recognize that one. Maybe it's just me. Let me know. Email me if you think, uh, if you're excited or not excited for Mass Effect Andromeda. Toot toot. Ed Boon and Warner Brother Games have confirmed that Injustice 2 will be coming to the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One later this spring on March 16th. Mm -mm. May 16th. Misread that. May 16th. Uh, it is the sequel to the 2013 DC superhero fighting game. So far, the confirmed roster includes Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Supergirl, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Blue Beetle, Battleman, uh, Battle uh, Batman, Superman, Gorilla Grog, and Atrocious. It has uh, not been confirmed for other platforms like PC, though we might see that in the future, much like the original Injustice. I hate to do it again, guys, because we just got done talking about Mass Effect, but is anyone actually excited for this game? You know, like, uh, I know that the movies that have been released haven't been getting the best reviews, but people seem to like them. I know that people are big fans of the TV shows like Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash. Even myself, I am a big fan of DC Comics, and if they would only stop rebooting their universe, I would recommend anyone to pick up their monthly issues. 
I'm a big DC guy. And I look at this game, I'm like, I just don't know. And I think it has a lot to do with Mortal Kombat X because I loved the uh, the 2009 Mortal Kombat. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was the best Mortal Kombat ever. And then they released Mortal Kombat X and it's like, hey, what if we had three different fighting stances? Ooh, and fatalities that you can pull off right in the middle of the... Uh, uh, right in the middle of the match and then we have things in the background that you can interact with that make you jump higher and it was like Oh, whoa, 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 whoa slow down, man I'm worried they're gonna do that to injustice because injustice was super lighthearted super inviting I mean it was like a gritty story, but it was lighthearted to play Anyone that wasn't big into fighting games could get into it because it was just you know easy to go It was, it was easy to play if they had extra stances and, and different variations of the same character I just feel like it would just turn me off, you know, hopefully not because like I said, you know Maybe they can include the question as DLC. I'll definitely buy it then. I'm not even kidding. I will definitely buy it. Warner Brothers, that's on you. Ed Boon, that's on you too. Toot toot. Developer Slightly Mad have hinted a release date for their upcoming racer, Project Cars. According to CEO Ian Bell, quote, It's still a very tight run as we're a bit behind on the GUI and career. So nothing is set in stone yet. Currently, current guess is September-ish. The original Project Cars launched in 2015 after a successful Kickstarter campaign. Project Cars is currently Project Cars 2 is currently announced for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Man, okay, if you watched my best of list from two weeks ago, you know I love Forza Horizon 3. I think it is the best racing game of the generation, bar none. But if you twisted my arm and you said, come on. What's in the second place? I would say Project Cars. No, it's not the bombastic open world racing game. It's more aligned to something like Gran Turismo. And we don't have a Gran Turismo death. Uh, death. We don't have a Gran Turismo yet. So it's kind of nice to have a, you know, a simulation like that. I really believe the original Project Cars nails the serenity of racing. It's the only way I can ex really explain it. It's just something very calming and peaceful about it. I remember I was driving around in the... Uh, what do they call that Nuremberg ring? Uh, and um, it was like raining. It's just so peaceful. It's such a good racing game. And you can also tune up your cars. And if you want to be like a crazy sim heavy, you know, experience, you can go in the options and, and do that. But if you want something that is sim, but still slightly arcadey, highly recommended. It. It's out for everything right now. And if I guess if you have an Xbox One S, uh, it performs a little better. So there's that for you. Uh, toot toot. During the Consumer Electronics Show keynote, NVIDIA's CEO, Jen Hsun Huang, revealed GeForce Now. The cloud-based service will allow players to stream games directly to their PC. NVIDIA's base computers will render the graphics with their new Pascal hardware and then stream it back to users. A similar service has been available on the Shield TV for some time. Uh, a monthly fee has been listed for $25 with a limit to 20 hours per month though additional plans may re be revealed in the future. Let's hold the phone real quick. You heard me right. $25, 20 hours per month. That's awful. That is awful. Also, it's a streaming service, so there's going to be input lag on your PC. Awful. Just awful. And, of course, the way that the internet works, you might be getting some compression on your visual, regardless of how good the graphics are back at the NVIDIA base. Once again... Awful. Just awful. But I have to respect NVIDIA here. They're doing the right thing. See, that's just it. You know, people look at PlayStation now and go, why bother? They look at something like this and they don't see the need for it. And they're right to think that. 
because it's not there yet. But the only way to get it there is to release it at some point, let people buy it, take uh, you know all the notes that they can, and improve the experience. So that are 10 or, or 15 years down the line, this is something that can actually happen, where you can pull out your, your smartphone and, and a controller and play the latest PC and console game at the best possible graphics with hardly any input lag. Though I guess, you know, by 20 and 15 years, we won't even have, you know, PCs or consoles because the asteroid is coming. <laughs> toot toot! We have some brand new and exciting Sega news that is exciting Shenmue fans, and it is exciting. Earlier this week, a long-running fan site, Shenmue Dojo, discovered two new domains purchased by Sega of Europe. ShenmueHD.com and ShenmueRemaster.com have been registered by Sega of Europe. For several years, the company has made repeated statements about an HD re-release of the two titles. According to an unnamed source, Shenmue 1 and 2 were remastered in their entirety for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 years ago before Sega shelved the project. Uh, Shenmue 3 is currently in development after a record-breaking Kickstarter campaign, though Sega's involvement is said to be minimal. In case you don't know, I'm a humongous Shenmue fan. I still have Shenmue 1, I still have Shenmue 2, still adore those games. I actually played Shenmue 1, I want to say, last year. I, I live-streamed it. Adore that game. One of my all-time favorites. I guess that was two years ago now, because we're in 2017. But, you know, as to, is this true... I don't know. Don't get your hopes up. That's one thing that I've learned for the past 15 years of being a Shenmue fan. Well, more than 15 years. Uh, it, it, every time there's an announcement that, oh, maybe they're doing those HD re-releases. This this conversation has been brought up for at least 10 years, I want to know. No, not 10 years. Uh, about 9 years. 9 or 8 years. They've been talking about re-releasing Shenmue. I think Sega's going to do it. Here's a rumor. Here's a quote. And, and nothing ever happens. The other reason I'm pretty skeptical of this is that I think Sega just purchased these domains just so other people don't. Because in case you don't know, there's a huge fan base, maybe not a huge fan base, but a very passionate fan base for the uh, very first Shenmue, uh, for the first two Shenmues, the only two Shenmues until Shenmue 3 comes out. And uh, they have a tendency like, to tinker with the ROMs. Like, there's one out there that allows you to uh, play the game in Japanese with English subtitles. You know, that's like a ROM hack right there. There are plenty of people that are already playing Shenmue 1 and 2 in HD using emulators. So I think Sega looked at them and they are just trying to do whatever it takes to protect their IP. I hope I'm wrong. Prove me wrong, Sega. I will happily replay those games on my PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Like I would actually buy Shenmue uh, HD on everything it's available for. I'm not even joking right now. Like if, if they were like, oh, we're releasing it on the Switch, I buy it on the Switch. PlayStation 4, I'd buy another copy. You know, Xbox One, I buy another copy. PC, I would buy a digital copy. I will buy it for everything that they release it to. No questions. Love Shenmue. Don't care. I, I will do that. Anyway, toot toot. Way back in 2013, Tequila Works announced Rhyme, an exploration game based in a natural environment with striking visuals. In 2014, it was revealed to be a PlayStation 4 exclusive, though last year, Sony dropped the title from development. Uh, now Tequila Works has confirmed they are making it independently, and it will be available on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC. The most recent trailer shows a young boy exploring a magical island while avoiding dangerous creatures resembling monks and dinosaurs. I sure hope this is good, because that was one of the kind of the forgotten stories of, of last year, is just that Sony was in this partnership with Tequila Works, 
There were lots of weird rumors flying around about management and and uh, uh, broken promises and and pre-rendered graphics being sold as as in-engine graphics. Just a lot of lot of BS. None of it was actually proven, but you know the fact that Sony then dropped them says a lot. And Sony's track record for for uh, abandoning development on a, on a title is pretty good. Uh, they dropped Remember Me, which was later uh, released by Capcom. And while the game was very interesting, it was definitely missing something, you know. Uh, and then Don't Nod went on to make uh, uh, Life is Strange. So clearly they were talented, but that particular game just wasn't working out. And there just wasn't enough time to start over. But, you know, anyway, I don't know. It looks interesting. Toot toot. Uh, the PC game service Steam might be packed with thousands of games, but this week it lost three titles. The Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants in Manhattan were removed from Steam earlier this week. All three games were published by Activision, with many assuming these removals stem from licensing agreements expiring. Uh, this is kind of curious, considering TMNT Mutants in Manhattan was only released in 2016. Like, the summer. Go figure. I'm just going to go ahead and say what everyone else is thinking, though. Last week, I put, up, I put up my worst of list. And I think Gabe Newell probably watched it and was like, Get that game the hell off my servers. I'm probably right. Toot toot. Here are the games that are going to be coming out this week on Tuesday on the PlayStation Vita. Exono Raid. Xeno Raid? <laughs> Exono Raid. Xeno Raid on the PlayStation Vita. Acorn Assault Rodent Revolution on the Xbox One on Wednesday. Criminal Girls Invite Only will be available on the PC. Uh, I actually played that game on the Vita. I thought it was, uh... Fucking gross. On Friday, Rise and Shine, a promising new platformer, will be released on the Xbox One. I would review that game, but unfortunately they released it on a Friday. What are you thinking, guys? And that's gonna have to do it for the hype train. Boop, boop. Now, I don't know about you guys, but where I am right now, it's literally below zero. It's like negative 11 outside. It sucks. I can't go on my walkies. But wait a minute. I know a place that's always warm with the glow of cold, hard cash. That's right. It's time for... The Chart Park. The land where money grows on trees. Yes, the chart park. This is the part of the show where we talk about illegal business and financial news in the video game industry, and we find out which fat cats of Wall Street will tip their top hats towards Lady Luck. We're going to be starting it off with some television news, which is kind of rare for us. The popular Conan O'Brien segment, Clueless Gamer, is becoming a full-fledged television series. Speaking with The Hollywood Reporter, TBS president Kevin Riley said, quote, We've gotten to the point where video game companies are sending us their new product for us to play and make fun of it because it's been such a huge success. We're going to go into production on a series of that. The reoccurring segment very first appeared uh, back in 2012. This will mark its fifth year. You know, some people get mad about Conan O'Brien's Clueless Gamer thing, and I don't know, maybe they just don't know who Conan O'Brien is, or, or maybe they're, they're jealous of his position to be able to sit there and play games, and all he ever does is bitch at them. But I think that says a lot about why the show is a success, because he's not out there just willy-nilly advertising for the game. He sits there and he makes fun of it. And I don't mean makes fun of it like, boy, what's going on with these graphics here? I mean, he's like, this is stupid. Like, this is all dumb. Like, he doesn't give it a chance even. He never walks away happy. And that's cool. And, you know, it's, it's 
for Conan O'Brien and his, his talk show, it's probably time to either retire that segment altogether or grow it into a spinoff. Because if it just stays on the show and it takes up, you know, 15 minutes of his hour-long show, you're really limiting yourself creatively. So sure, a spinoff sounds awesome. And besides that, it'd be nice to see some video game shows with, with good production values, which TBS certainly has. Toot toot. On to legal news. Frontier Developments, the studio behind Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, has filed a lawsuit against Atari for unpaid royalties. According to the Frontier CEO, David Walsh, quote, We can confirm Frontier is currently pursuing a complaint against Atari. We have attempted to resolve this issue without legal action since spring of 2015. We've so far been denied our contractual right to audit by Atari. Uh, and are unfortunately left with no other way to resolve our concerns. We are unable to offer any further comment while the matter is the subject of the legal process. Makes sense. You can't, you can only say what you're there for. You can't say like, here's our evidence or anything like that. Uh, Frontier claims uh, its $1.17 million payout is well below their contracted deal when compared to the copy sold. Uh, Frontier is seeking $2.2 million, claiming Atari intentionally distorted the sales figures. In case you don't know, and, and you're listening to this and be like, what? Why would Atari do that? I love Atari. This is not the same Atari that you remember back from, you know, the 70s and 80s. This is not the same company that put out the 2600. For the past 30 years, uh, the Atari brand has been a little bit of a game of hot potato where people just purchase the name, they purchase the assets, and then they eventually sell them. At one point, they were owned by Warner Brothers. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of funny everything goes in a full circle. Currently, they're owned by Infograms, a, a French company. And uh, when it comes to, you know, the history of this incarnation of Atari, there's there's been a little bit of concern and, and questioning about how how they're doing financially. They did file for bankruptcy. When was this? Uh, 2012, 2013? And then they got a last-minute loan that, that, that saved them. Uh, so that's obviously uh, not very good. Uh, and they've had, you know, plenty of financial problems over the past few years. So you look at somebody like Frontier Games, uh, who don't really have any stories about them being shady or pushy or anything like that. And then you look at uh, Atari, which is clearly having uh, problems uh, when it comes to money. And you sort of have an incentive right there. Now, did Atari do it? I don't know. We're going to find out. You know, they're going to go to court over this. Um, but if, if they, in any way, screwed them out of over $2 million, if, uh, if they really couldn't give up that money, and, uh, Frontier Games takes it by, by legal, uh, recourse, then, geez, that might be the end of that company. Might be. Maybe not. Who knows? Moving on, last month, Crytek announced the closure of several studios, however, one development house will remain open as an independent. Black Sea Studios, formerly Crytek Black Sea, formerly Black Sea Studios, yes, they were called Black Sea Studios, then bought by Crytek, and now they're independent, have created a new website with the quote, Our mission is to create hardcore games that will entertain you over and over again. We believe the best gaming experiences are coming from challenging the player with meaningful choices while giving the freedom to create and share their own in-game stories. Well, really, that's the entire story right there. But I think it's just sort of, you know, it's a positive bit of news after Crytek, of course, unceremoniously shut down uh, so many uh, development houses. Uh, there was one news report that this this uh, website was purchased earlier this year. And so that's leading me to believe that many of these companies knew prior to the announcement that they were about to be shut down. Um, 
you know that or maybe they they were planning on on getting out of uh maybe buying their way out of crytek who knows but they have no games currently announced but you know hopefully everything works out for them moving on sony has revealed their console sales numbers during the holiday season and they are impressive with the playstation 4 selling 6.2 million units upping the total lifetime sales to 53.4 million units game sales were also impressive with 50.4 million games being sold during the holiday season, Sony also announced Naughty Dog's Uncharted 4 closed out 2016 with 8.7 million copies sold so far, making it the best-selling game in the franchise. To put this in a little bit of perspective for you, if you're like, big deal, 6.2 million, why do I care? That is almost half of the Wii U's total lifetime sales. That is two-thirds of the Sega Dreamcast's total lifetime sales. Almost 12% of every PlayStation 4 owner purchased their console during the holiday season. That's insane. Now let's look at Naughty Dog. One out of every six PlayStation 4s has a copy of Uncharted 4. Now, a lot of those were pack-ins, but for an exclusive, that is bonkers. Now, if only we could get some Xbox numbers. I would be so happy. Like, actual Xbox numbers. Not... Not the old, here's how many hours of Xbox Live, here's how many users were online, here's how many games were downloaded. I don't want to hear that. I want the actual numbers that took place over the holiday season. Because for Sony, this is just insane. Absolutely insane. Especially with Uncharted 4. Because exclusives, outside of Nintendo, generally don't produce numbers like that. Exclusives are meant to be uh, very offbeat. They don't go for the same things that the other third parties and AAAs are going for. They try to be something separate, so that way they can uh, lure in people to purchase their console because they're not going to get that experience or, or, or an experience quite like that anywhere else. And Uncharted 4 is like, all right, 8.7 million copies. Absolutely insane. Speaking of PlayStation 4 exclusives, Grasshopper Entertainment's free-to-play game Let It Die has already surpassed 1 million downloads in just over a month. Originally released on December 3rd for the PlayStation 4, Let It Die is a quirky 3D dungeon crawler where players uh, face off against a series of oddball opponents. I've already been playing this game quite a bit, and let me tell you, I've had an absolute blast with it. Uh, if you haven't, it's free. Go check it out. But it, it's so awesome to see a game like that really get you know, picked up by a, by a large audience because this, of course, is Grasshopper Games. They've released a lot of stuff that hasn't done particularly well. They've released things like Shadows of the Damned. That didn't do very well. They released um, uh, Killer7. That obviously didn't do very well, even though I love those games. Like, the only thing they've done that's really been a hit is the very first No More Heroes uh, on the original Wii. But everything else, it's just been like, ugh, that looks weird. I just really hope that this this... This creates a base of fans that are eager to purchase new Grasshopper games. And then maybe we can get, you know, Killer7 HD VR. I'd buy it. But you already know that. Now on to some bad news. According to Steam Spy, a site dedicated to uncovering statistics and sales on Steam, 2016 was a disappointing year for the digital service, with only $3.5 million in revenue. While that amount might seem impressive, the identical number was listed for Steam's 2015 revenue, meaning 
it was a flat year. This is despite Steam seeing a significant increase in game releases, with 5,245 games appearing on Steam, a 43% increase from the year prior. It's also worth noting that they just hit 14 million concurrent users, a new record for Steam. Uh, you know, I was looking at this and, and trying to figure out, like, wh what's going on? I feel like games sold pretty well, for the most part. We're definitely going to be talking about a lot about game sales uh, in, in the next couple of segments. What happened to Steam? Why didn't, it, why didn't it blow everyone away this year? They have more games. They have more users. They should have bigger, you know, revenue, right? Well, kind of, sort of. You know, I'm sure if you looked at how many games sold, I'm sure they sold more games. But the revenue is flat. Just consider this. What are the big PC games this fall? Or this year, even? Overwatch, we were just talking about that. Overwatch isn't available on Steam. That's a Blizzard game. You gotta get that Battle.net, or whatever they're calling it these days. Blizzard launcher. What about, uh, I don't know, Battlefield 1? Eh. Can't get that on Steam. You gotta use Origin. So for, 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 for Steam this year, their biggest titles were, were smaller things. Like the biggest hit, or one of the biggest hits, was something like Stardew Valley. $15, you know, Harvest Moon type game. Good game. Very good game. Very cool game. But nevertheless, not that big AAA title. And uh, so that's just basically it. Besides that, there were a lot of really great 2015 games that people were probably picking up on sale. So this is not the death of the PC or Valve or anything like that. They just, due to the way things were released this year, they did not have access to the biggest PC games of the year. That is my guess. Anyway, uh, moving on, Sony has released a list of the most downloaded games on PSN for the year of 2016. I've copied down the top 10 for the PlayStation 4, as well as the top 3 for the rest of the systems. Let's start off with number 10 with FIFA 17. Number 9 was No Man's Sky. Number 8 was Battlefield 4. Number 7 was Overwatch Origins Edition. Number 6 was Grand Theft Auto 5. Number 5 was Tom Clancy's The Division. Number 4 was Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Number 3 was Minecraft PlayStation 4 Edition. Really? Alright, whatever. I don't hate the game, I'm just like, what? Number 2 was Battlefield 1, because earlier that was Battlefield 4. And number 1. Take, take a guess. What is the most downloaded game in 2016 on PlayStation Network? Take a guess. I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint. It has really good graphics, really good gameplay, uh, you know, hundreds of hours of gameplay, and it's an independent game. That's right, it's Rocket League. If you just would have had PlayStation Plus, you could have had it for free. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's what I'm talking about right there. That is, that is validating. Independent game. Number one most downloaded thing on PlayStation Network. Anyway, for the top three PlayStation 3 download games, it goes number three, Grand Theft Auto V, number two, The Last of Us, and number one, Minecraft PlayStation 3 Edition. For the PlayStation VR, it goes number three, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, great game. Number two, Batman VR, good game. And number one, Job Simulator. Job Simulator also just celebrated $3 million in revenue, making it one of the most highly profitable uh, VR games so far. Now let's go to the PlayStation Vita. This one brought a smile to my face. God Eater, God Eater, God damn it. That, God damn it, why can't I read the goddamn thing? God Eater Resurrection. Number two was Minecraft PlayStation Vita Edition. And number one was Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. That is beautiful right there. In, in case you don't know, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth is a great JRPG. I don't know anything about Digimon. I don't want to watch a Digimon anime or any of that bullshit. I don't want to go back and play the old Digimon games. 
This game right here is so good. It's like Pokemon, but just totally different systems. It's, it's fantastic. Highly recommend it, especially if you like Pokemon or Persona. That just seems, that's, yeah, that's very weird to say that out loud. And lastly, the best-selling PlayStation classics were number three, the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy, duh. Number two, Bully, and number one, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. So Rockstar is making a lot of money off of 15-year-old games. Good for them. Anyway, now before we get to the UK and Japanese sales charts, I do have some important news. According to several recent reports, Japanese game sales dropped by 7% year on year, while in the UK, physical games were down 13.4% with only the PlayStation 4 and 3DS seeing improvements from 2015. There's not much to say here, except that, of course, sales are down. But when I looked at it, and I looked at 2015, uh, of course for Japan it's year on year, but I do think it's worth pointing out, they didn't have that big game. Much like we were talking about earlier, how Steam, you know, didn't have that the big games this year. You look over at Japan, even if people love Pokemon Sun and Moon and, and the uh, Yokai games, they did not have, um, you know, anything that could equate to Monster Hunter Generations. I mean, they had Monster Hunter stories, but that's kind of a spinoff, and everyone's like, all right, whatever. When the next Monster Hunter is released, I'm sure they'll do better than 2016 in terms of sales. As for the UK, I, I don't know. I guess you could sort of point to what happened with uh, Call of Duty. Last year's Call of Duty, Black Ops 3, blew everyone away, totally surpassed expectations. Whereas, uh, you know, Infinity War or Infinite Warfare just didn't, right out of the gate, just didn't do quite as well. And, and, and then that's probably it. So, no reason to be alarmed. It's just, it was sort of an off year for mainstream games. Like the most mainstream of games. Just didn't quite deliver. But let's talk about what are the best-selling games over in the UK. Number 10 is the Elder Scrolls Skyrim Special Edition, down from a spot from last week. Steep is in the ninth spot, which is down from the seventh spot last week. Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, is in the eighth spot, surging back into the top 10 from 26th place last week. Number seven is Rocket League, which jumps back into the top 10 from last week's 12th place. Number six is Mafia 3, which stays in the exact same spot. Number five is Watch Dogs 2, because it traded places with Grand Theft Auto 5, which came at number four. Number three was Battlefield 1. Number two was FIFA 17. And number one was Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Worth pointing out that this top three have been in the exact same spots for a few weeks now. The exact same listing. So... Activision's doing very well. Now let's go over to Japan to find out where the best-selling games over there. Number 10 was uh, Jingoku Powerful Baseball Heroes on the 3DS. Number 9 was uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf. Number 8 was Miitopia on the 3DS. Number 7 was Yakuza 6 The Song of Life on the PlayStation 4. Number 6 was Minecraft PlayStation Vita Edition on the PlayStation Vita. Number 5 was Final Fantasy 15 on the PlayStation 4. Number 4 was Yokai Watch 3. Tsukayaki, my throat is, I'm still kind of sick, so I can't really scream that this time. Number three was Momotaru Detsu 2017, Tachiyagara Nippon on the 3DS. Number two was Super Mario Maker for the 3DS, big mistake. And number one, of course, is Pokemon Sun and Moon. But what are the best-selling consoles over in Japan? Well, let's go. PlayStation 4 uh, sold 
73,421. New 3DS sold uh, 45,809. PlayStation Vita with 25,487. 2DS with 20,259. PlayStation 4 Pro with 9,916. New 3DS with uh, 400, 342. Wii U with 2,589. PlayStation 3 with 1,002. Xbox One with 221. 3DS with 72. And 3DS LL with 40, which means... For 16 weeks in a row, the sweet 16, the Xbox One has not been in last place. You might say this is getting old, but it's not getting old for me. <laughs> and that's going to have to do it for the Chart Park. The land where money grows on trees. We're going from the big money to the smaller things in life. That's right, it's time to get tiny. It's time for a Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk. From the no-duh department, Pokemon Go is officially the most downloaded app of 2016. Of course it is. If you want to hear me talk more about Pokemon Go, listen to last week's show. Moving on, Super Mario Run's success continues. The Wall Street Journal has reported the Nintendo mobile title has already hit 90 million downloads. More impressively, it's already netted 30 million in revenue. With its $10 price tag, that roughly equates to 3 million paid copies. Currently, Super Mario Run is only available on iOS, with Android versions promised to follow shortly. I have done some very rough math on this news uh, in regards to Super Mario Run sales. Uh, and if I recall correctly, the average uh, you know, uh, revenue for specifically the developer and the publisher combined on every single physical game sold is $45. I believe GameStop and someone else takes a certain amount of cut and 45 is what they get. So if this is all right, if this is all correct, that equates to selling 670,000 copies of a game in less than a month, which is, uh, it's good. It's not great, but it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. However, if you also consider that there are no boats, there are no planes, there are no trucks that are driving to shops to put it on a shelf, they're, they're making a little bit more profit there. If you also consider that there's no way in hell the budget is all that large for a mobile title compared to something on the Wii U, they're making a lot more profit. And even if you say, well, they must be paying for all those servers, I don't know about that. I'm pretty positive uh, Apple must have cut them one hell of a deal. I don't think Miyamoto is going to walk onto that stage without some sort of understanding that maybe they'll have free server space or something because you know that was going into the holidays and apple certainly wanted to sell phones so i think that they probably had some sort of an arrangement uh so all, all in all say what you will about the price uh, this is a hit for a mobile game that's ten dollars i mean come on 30 million bucks in one month it's very successful good for them anyway moving on Hi-Res Studios, the developer behind the popular MOBA Smite, have announced Smite Rivals. The free-to-play mobile and PC title will feature the imaginary, uh, the imagery <laughs> and characters from the Smite universe. It is an all-new card game. Much like the original titles, players will use their cards to take down opposing players' towers. No release date has been announced. You know, uh, whenever I see the, a new card game being announced, I'm just like, you sure you want to do that? Because, you know, when I look at um, uh, card games, I see something very similar to MMOs. 
it is, uh, it's a very limited market. And I don't mean that there's not broad appeal for it, that there's not a huge audience, but I believe that the attention span of those players is very narrow when it comes to card games. They are picking one, and they're sticking with one. Much like there were all these uh, MMOs years ago, but World of Warcraft just kept on trucking because it was difficult for players to bounce back and forth from MMOs. It didn't make sense to them. Card games, there's a lot of rules. You've got to learn everything. You've got to know your deck. It just doesn't seem like people are going to be bouncing from Hearthstone over to the Smite game. Now, Magic is always going to exist. You know, Magic the Gathering. It's always going to be popular. That's just something altogether different. Uh, Hearthstone carved out its own niche. It went after people that don't play card games. Now they're engaged. I think if people, you know, they, if, if people like Smite, they probably just want to play Smite. I'm, I'm just not persuaded that the card game is, is, uh, is the right idea. Moving on, the dedicated VR headset market might be struggling to reach 1 million units for a single uh, SKU, but Samsung's partnership with Oculus has proven far more fruitful. The Samsung Gear VR has officially shipped over 5 million units. Uh, the phone-based VR unit retails for $100 and uses the Galaxy and Edge brands of Samsung phones for wireless virtual reality. I gotta say, I, I have used one of these before. I, I own one. I use it on my uh, on my Samsung Edge. I think it's a really solid VR experience. Now, does it look as good as PlayStation VR, Oculus, or or even uh, you know Vive? Hell no, absolutely not. Not even close. Not even close. Not even not even at all. We're talking about the difference between uh, you know PlayStation One. No, that's mean. I shouldn't say this. Well, I kind of mean it. We're talking about the difference between a Super Nintendo and a Game Boy. That's really what we're talking about right here. There is such a clear difference between uh, what they offer on these these mobile headsets and what they offer in dedicated units that plug into graphics cards and look amazing and have you know uh, room scale, all that kind of stuff. However, if VR succeeds, if it is a, a success in the future, I think a lot of that will stem from this division of Oculus uh, because it's affordable. Everyone's already got the damn phone. You're saying here for hundred bucks you can play in VR. And, you know, I've actually showed it to a few people. I'm like, oh, try this on. Because they've never used VR before. You know, hey, sit down. Try this on. They're blown away right away. They want to use that. So the problem with VR, with selling someone VR, is being like, oh, you want to buy a, a PlayStation VR headset? Uh, well, if you want everything to make it work, that'll be $500. Whatever. It's probably not that cool anyway. Fuck this. But if you actually get the opportunity to try something for $100, you have that experience that will educate you into whether or not you want to invest further. So I, I think out of everything Oculus has done, this is the smartest move by far, not even close. It, it, this is the smartest, like 5 million have shipped worldwide. Congratulations, you know, anyway, that's going to have to do it for pocket talk, pocket talk, pocket talk. Let's take the mushroom. As you can probably tell, I am still sick. So before we close out the show, I'm going to need a little bit of your strength. Send it to me right now. Oh, I can feel it. I'm getting stronger. Keep sending me your strength, listeners and viewers. Ooh. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's time for strong history. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, the week of January 8th to the 14th. Ten years ago, back in 2007... Lost Planet Extreme Conditions was launched on the Xbox 360. This was the, uh, the you know, Capcom's very first big um, HD generation game. Of course, actually, they had uh, Dead Rising, which is a great game. 
Amazing game. Love Dead Rising. Uh, but Lost Planet was sort of their, their, uh, their blockbuster title. You know, when you saw these, these trailers with all these snow conditions and, and particle effects, that was one of the reasons people bought an Xbox 360. The game itself didn't really impress me at all. And then unfortunately, Capcom decided to just keep trudging along with Lost Planet 2 and Lost Planet 3. They really wanted to make Lost Planet a thing. Lost Planet did not become a thing. Also, 10 years ago <laughs> on the PlayStation 2, The Shield the Game, based off of the FX series, it is notoriously terrible. 11 years ago in business, Irrational Games, uh, the company uh, was purchased by Take-Two. And now Irrational Games is uh, no more. So kind of sad. 12 years ago, uh, the Xbox Fallout Brotherhood of Steel was released in the United States. Probably the worst Fallout game. Uh, and it was the very first time that Fallout appeared on a console, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, also 12 years ago, The Getaway Black Monday, the final entry in the Getaway series, was released on PlayStation 2. I guess you could say that the... Um, uh, the bank heist in uh, PlayStation VR's, uh, you know, VR worlds was, um, you know, the, um, uh, I guess it was kind of like a follow-up. Uh, also 12 years ago, Suikoden 4 was released on PlayStation 2. Resident Evil 4 was released on the GameCube, an all-time great. Uh, Banjo Pilot was released on the Game Boy Advance, which of course is a, uh, is a racing game, uh, based on the Banjo and Kazooie characters on a Game Boy Advance, even though Microsoft had a hand in it because they owned Rare, and Rare owned those characters. Kind of crazy. Uh, the Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap was released on the Game Boy Advance, and Mercenaries Playground of Destruction was released on the PlayStation 2 and Xbox. Uh, 14 years ago, on the PlayStation 2, The Sims was released. On the PC, SimCity 4 was released. On the PlayStation 2, War of the Monsters was released. And on the Xbox, Panzer Dragoon Orta was released. The final entry in the Panzer Dragoon series. Very unfortunate, because I love those games. Uh, 15 years ago, on the Dreamcast, Rez was released. Look how far we've come. Rez was like, oh, this is like virtual reality on the Dreamcast. And now, it's actually in virtual reality. On the PlayStation VR. Pretty crazy. 16 years ago on the Game Boy Color, Mega Man Extreme was released, a long-forgotten series that involved you reliving Mega Man's past through uh, simulations. Incredibly bizarre. Uh, also 16 years ago, Mega Man 64 was released on 64. This is back when you could actually get two Mega Man games in a week, as opposed to no Mega Man games for decades. Or not even a decade, whatever it was. Uh, 17 years ago on the PlayStation, Panzer Dragon 2 was released on the PlayStation. Uh, second to last entry in the series, uh, very weird third-person RPG shooter that was from uh, Squaresoft. That was also survival horror. It's a mishmash of tons of different genres. You should definitely check that out. 18 years ago, Electronic Arts had to recall over 100,000 copies of, uh, of Tiger Woods 99 after it was discovered someone had bootlegged an episode of South Park inside the game. Uh, it was the spirit of Christmas. Uh, the very first uh, thing that ever involved these South Park characters. It was a huge embarrassment for EA, and if this was the time where, where people are on social media like they are now, they would be ridiculed beyond belief. 19 years ago, No One Can Stop Mr. Domino was released in Japan. Uh, unfortunately, there hasn't been a Domino game since, so I guess someone stopped him. Or maybe no one can stop him, you know. That'd be cool. Because he's out there still walking in space or something. Also 19 years ago, Alundra was released on the PlayStation. Uh, the Zelda clone, very good game. Highly recommend you check that out. 24 years ago, Streets of Rage 2 was released on the Genesis, or in Japan. Which is funny because it was actually three weeks after it was released in America. 
So they were really focusing on the American market over the Japanese market, which back in the 90s was a bizarre move, but it paid off for them. Uh, 30 years ago on the Famicom Disk System, The Legend of Zelda 2 Link no Bokuten Boken, was released on uh, the Disk System. It would never be released on a cartridge over in Japan. Of course, it would be here in America. Uh, and it's kind of amazing if you think about that, uh, because the, the, um, the Famicom Disk System wasn't really all that successful. So it's kind of a wonder we still have Zelda, because, you know, uh, Nintendo from back then really focused on uh, Japanese success. And occasionally American success with things like Punch-Out, but mostly Japanese success, which is why you don't really see things like Metroid anymore. Kind of a shame. Uh, 33 years ago on the Famicom, Tennis was released. Not a good game, but an old game. Tennis. Enjoyed on the Famicom. And 85 years ago, yes, 85 years ago, Bally Technologies was founded. Of course, they would go on to make many a pinball machine. And without pinball, arguably, we wouldn't have arcades. So, thank you, Bailey, for existing 85 years ago. You're getting, you're getting up there in years, Bailey. Maybe it's time to retire. But that's going to have to do it for Strong History. Cool. Well, I've had fun. I hope you had, too. I'm still sick. I won't be sick next week. I promise. I want to bring the noise for the, uh, the Nintendo Switch episode. But before we go on to next week, we have to end this week. So it is time to close up the show. Remember, you can email pressurecast at gmail.com. You can text or call 954-947-7377. Or you can tweet at VGA Dumb. Uh, you know, if you want to contact the show and tell me what you think about the uh, Switch announcements. I want to hear all about you. Uh, or you can also, you know, of course, uh, leave a comment on the, uh, the YouTube video page of this episode. And I will, uh, I will discuss your comments uh, next week. Uh, what's coming up this week? I really don't think anything. Again. You know, there's just nothing coming out just yet. Uh, and then we're going to be having a barrage of games uh, coming very, very soon. So plenty of episodes of worth that are coming. Don't worry, I'm, I'm not d done doing that show. There's just nothing out right now. Uh, but yes, you know, it's it's been a heck of a time. You know, Bailey's... Uh, Bailey's... <laughs> Bally uh, Entertainment, 85 years old. If you're a human being and you're 85, you're coming close to the end, buddy. You're about to say goodbye to this world. I hate to tell you that. But the pressure cast will not. Because the pressure cast is forever. See you guys.